Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thingcast. My name is London Electricity, and this is episode one. You were here at the beginning of my new podcast, The Thingcast. And each episode, we tackle one issue or concept. And in this episode, I'm joined by Dave Jenkins, who will be interviewing me in some depth about my transition from hospital records into the future. Meanwhile, this is DMB for Peace. More later. Controls is AC13, and this track is called Shostakovich. Now, this is from an absolutely outstandingly brilliant album called DB for Peace. It's put together by Boo. Massive respect to Boo. And all profits go to charities that support families living in Palestine to help them recover. You get it from Boo's Bandcamp. It's a brilliant album. Probably one of the best compilations I've heard in a long time. 64 original brand new tracks. Danny, you're, you're live on my first edition of my new podcast. Yeah, you, you heard that. Don't say those words, people. Where, where, where are you, Danny? Oh. Okay, Danny. Danny. Yeah, man, thanks for phoning. And uh, have a good sleep. Oh, I bet. Take, Take care, care, Danny. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, man. Blimey, I hope you got all of that. And I swear, on the grave of everything I hold dear, I didn't know Danny was going to call. I thought he was still in New Zealand. Nice surprise. Okay, so also from the DB for Peace album, this is Voltage. 
it's called On My Knees. Massive shout going out to the voltage. is absolutely brilliant L side on the remix on CIA it is of course Total Science Fallen Angel Uh, quite a few of you wanted shouts on the episode one of this podcast so you were here first on the thing cast shouts going out to lucy 
CS says, hey Tony, just seen you're doing a new podcast. Me and my girlfriend Kira are both massive fans of your hospital podcast and it helped us massively through lockdown. It'd be great if you were able to give her a shout out. It'd make her day. Love what you do, Tony, and can't wait to listen to this adventure you're on. Spread love, my man. Indeed. This is all about spreading love. Massive love going out to hospital. My drum and bass bastard child, as it is. I'm pretty sure I'll be back on the hospital podcast. Before too long, but meanwhile, you should check out the latest one with Stacy at the helm. She did an absolutely amazing job. And it is really exciting to see how up and coming artists to, to hear their take on the hospital podcast format. Brand new music now from Aperio and Loa on the Galaxy label. This is called Nova. A highly underrated car, the Vauxhall Nova. Okay, it's not, it's not, it's not underrated. In time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened right here. An indelible impact that shook up the world. Are we not astronomers searching for the next shooting star? Shouts going out to Martin in Osaka, Japan. To Big Fan 007, to Dan Coco in New York. And Freya Leach Martin says, Hiya, I've seen you're starting a new podcast. Very exciting. I'd love a shout out to my boyfriend, Jack. He introduced me to yourself and Hospital Records. And I can't thank him enough. He's an amazing person. And I cannot wait to build our home together. And Freya says, I'm looking forward to hospitality in the woods as well. I'm looking forward to that. It's one of three gigs I'm allowing myself to do. 
first is at Stand and Calling. The second is the barbecue in Bristol at Motion. And then Hospitality in the Woods. This is something outstanding by Fred V. Gazellig. Vintage Fred Varnum. No matter what you're doing right now, if you're driving a car, if you're at work, if you're working from home, put your hands in the air. Or one hand if you're driving a car, I don't want to be sued. Uh, John Geertzema says um, I didn't get all of this because it starts with uh, no problem interesting and he goes on to say your focus on mental health has heightened my awareness thank you sir side note my friend and I got into production during the pandemic we started a podcast called D-A-D-N-B get it? Dad and B, Dad and Bass, love it. Focused on being a drum and bass dad and making drum and bass music. And we're on our third episode now. Okay, I haven't checked it out, but why not check it out? Dad and B.
now. More from the DB for Peace album. This is gorgeous. It's by Chimpo. It's called Only You. Please buy the album 64 original tracks by an amazing selection of producers. It's for a brilliant cause. Check it out on Bandcamp. Yes, Chimpo. name rings a bell who is in Hakuba in Nagano in Japan at the moment oh and he used to do design work for hospital many a year ago and he noticed my London electricity track remember the future in a karaoke bar in Hakuba that is nuts that's a career goal just picture very very drunk businessmen in suits throwing up into sick bags whilst trying to sing remember the future Sound of Boo versus Kazra from the DMB for Peace album. This is Trenchfoot.
And uh, if you have managed to listen to this podcast, which you have, or else you wouldn't be listening to it, so I wouldn't be talking to you. I want to say thanks because it's episode one. It's not automatically on your subscribe thingy in Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. So uh, thank you for checking it. And if, if you check it on YouTube or or Mixcloud, uh, please subscribe somehow. That'd be wicked. Just thank you for helping me continue my podcast journey. And I just had a text from Dave Jenkins. He's on his way. And he'll be in the studio in time for the second half of this podcast. And it's an in-depth interview. Lasts about an hour. So he says, we'll see if it takes that long or not. And that, um, that was supposed to be a gradual stop, but you can't have everything, can you? Brand new music from DJ Zinc. Working with Model, this is called Rave Forever. Going out to Benzing Foundation Business. This is Rave Forever Part 1. I'm looking forward to Part 2 already. 
Okay, this is outstanding. It's a debut release by Winslow on Hospital Records. It's got everything and more featuring Pete Simpson. Out of unglued. We signed him three years ago to Hospital Records, and his album has finally dropped. It's been a journey. Massive shout to Josh. Unglued. It's a brilliant album. This is called South by West.
shout and love going out to my hospital family. All the artists. All the fantastic staff. my fellow owners of hospital Josh Robinson Craig Dawson and Chris Goss thank you for putting up with me for as long as you have Brand new music by Blame. Or I should say very recent music by Blame. It's out on the excellent Overshadow label. Massive shout to Cy. A very well curated record label. Check this out.
shouts going out to Nikki with a thousand eyes after the K, to Jono0777, to DJ Host, to El Silvador, who he asked about the title, Thingcast. He asked because it's, to him it sounds like the Vikings. Like in medieval times, apparently, the Vikings used to call meetings to discuss politics and settle disputes, and they were called Thing. I have not fact-checked that, but I have no reason to doubt it's true. Uh, shout out to Tony Keaton Golf from Orlando in Florida. Uh, to BD Mac, who wants political ramblings and the occasional banger. Well, I hope it's more than occasional. To Neon Gen X from Santiago in Chile. And JH Carlson in Vancouver. And a massive shout out to everybody in the northwest of the USA and Canada who've been having the most horrendous heatwave trapped under the dome, the heat dome. It's causing wildfires, loads of people dying. Um, I think you better stop denying climate change, everyone. It is here, it's happening, things are changing rapidly. Unglued from his amazing album featuring singing fats. This is called Sardinian Sunrise.
This is amazing. It's by Rohan. It's called Laser. I believe it's out now, if not very soon. And it's on Souped Up. Massive shout to Mark Serum. Let's go. Laser. Everything about this tune screams absolute banger. Originality done right. Brand new Hazard on players. It's a fantastic EP. It's been a long time. This track is called Play Something Nice. Dance so nice and all that shaking and everything. 
I don't shake. I glisten. That snare drum though. From the 25 years of hospital after party EP, this is Spy. See your face again. The Kings of the Roller remix. Going out to Dan Coco in New York. I want to give a shout out to the chairman and the secretary general for their music performances over the last week. And the secretary general has achieved his grade five distinction in trumpet, and they both performed brilliantly at the school concerts. There's more to come this week. Shout out to the lady culminator keeping them on track practicing she's she's kind of better at it than I am I'm a little bit of a softy I'm I'm trying to learn to be a little bit more strict doesn't come easy from the drum and bass for Peace album DMB for Peace this is brand new Lensman beautiful tune called I Still
As I said before, um, this podcast, The Thing Cast, it's all about amazing drum bass music that I love. It's also a little bit more than that. It's about, each episode is going to be about one, one particular subject, one topic, one idea, one concept. <laughs> and uh, I think, I thought it was appropriate for episode one. So that should be about why on earth Tony are you leaving hospital records and uh, I should for the sake of clarity say I'm not leaving as an artist but I'm not going to be running hospital records anymore all will be revealed in my interview with Dave Jenkins, which is basically like the second half of this podcast. So hold tight. Montoya says I want to give a shout out on the new podcast woo uh, Shoshin Brady says thank you for helping me and my beautiful partner Kyrie bond over drum and bass this sounds amazing we rented a cabin in the Tahoe mountains in the first week we met and had one of the most beautiful experiences to your track meteorites uh, I'm trying not to visualise the details right now. Um, we both love how you brought your wonderful personality to the hospital podcast and we're very excited to witness your new journey. Well, so, so am I because I've got no idea where it's leading. And, uh, and I'm quite happy to have no idea actually.
and uh, I literally just got this because uh, I saw Bailey mentioning it on Instagram and you can get it from the Soul in Motion's uh, Bandcamp for free if you want and it's Bailey's very own bootleg of Can You Feel It by Mr Fingers Classic foundation tunes. Go on, Bailey. Shout out to the Perth drum and bass crew, please, Tony. You got it. Shouts going out to Abstract Science, to Blair Warren. In the beginning, there was Jack. To Nick Plain. To Rachel Harper, who says, intriguing. I cannot wait to hear Tony unedited. Fucking fuck, you fucked it right up, you fucking nonce. See, I can't say that on the hospital podcast anymore. I know the first few episodes I did. I used to swear a lot. to say no on certain terms. Oh, I wasn't the greatest fan in the world of Tories. And I wasn't afraid to talk about anal sex.
incoming. Brand new music from Polar and Bryson from the DMB for Peace album. This is the lovely Exhale. things from salty cat crisps keep it crispy i don't know what salty cat crisps are are they a thing Locked to the thing cast. Love this track.
and it's Dillinger on remix duties from High Contrast Remix EP or album. And this is Carl Dillinger on Arcadia. Massive shout to the High Contrast himself. CP is out right now on 3-beat. And Rob M says, Morning, Tony. It's four weeks since my surgery and I've just gone to the gym for the first time. I was very nervous, to be honest, and was fully expecting my back to blow out. But thankfully, it was all cool. I've never asked for a shout before, but I guess this is the time to ask if I'm ever going to. Rob says, can you give my wife Joanne and my two girls, Neil and Erin, a big shout and say thanks for me for looking after me before and after my surgery. They are true legends and I love them to pieces. Thanks, mate. Please keep the podcast coming. Yes, Rob, that's the plan. Coming in, the 1991 remix of Basement Jack. Let's go, it's fun.
This is amazing. Mosey featuring Sophie Marie. Lost in the light, love with closed eyes, too blinded to see. On Liquid V. Moves made without care. It's clarity. Give and you share. It soon becomes clear. It's not meant to be. Oh, yeah. Shout to Brian G and Frost. Liquid V on fire at the moment. Well, always on fire. Mosey I can't let it out of the bag yet but we've got a little thing obviously a very sexual thing going on Hassidy beating while he's out carelessly cheating you drowning out in the deep and no way he sees you from shore all your loyal devotion growing as great as a notion but there's no magical potion that could make his love more pure realize open eyes will help you see through his disguise I'm asking of all his lies we surely come to an end decide to pull off your blindness after so many reminders you love yourself and you kind of allow your dreams to end Incoming. Blade Runner on remix duties. It's high contrast. Windows 95.
very much like this, I do. And uh, Rob writes in and says, Hi Tony, I hope the hip replacement went well. It did actually. It's almost two months ago now. But it is gradually sorting me out, thank you. Uh, please can I have a shout out to my friends Tom and Hells, who just moved into their first house just two weeks before they're expecting their first baby. Yes, Tom and Hells, congratulations. from Note this is Don't Miss This on the gold fat label the full fat label Greg writes in and says, Hi Tony, I'd like to thank and congratulate you for the last 25 years of hospital. It's been a huge part of my life in so many ways. It's been there for me through the toughest times of my life and through the best as well. 
One example is when my child was born and we were listening to The Plan That Cannot Fail through the birth and I can't thank you enough for what you've been doing to keeping it up and uh, and much love also please could I have a shout out to my two year old Lois oh no yeah lawyer no it must be Lois anyway Lola that's it who is the reason that keeps my world going Apologies, I printed out the shouts quite small and it's a bit dark up this end of my studio. Uh, Jesse says, hey Tony, massive fan of your work. I'd love to try and get a shout out on the podcast for my best mate, John. He and I are two English blokes stuck in Germany. Neither of us have been able to get home to Blighty for what feels like forever because of COVID. In the last year or so, I've had a number of slaps to the face from that thing called life, including major soldier, <laughs> soldier shoulder surgery. You try saying that quickly. Trying to launch a new business right as the pandemic started and on top of it all, losing my dad to cancer at the young age of 61. Through all of this and more, John has been my rock. Putting up with my existential crisis, being there through everything, babysitting me after my surgery and generally being the one constant in an otherwise chaotic existence. John put me onto drum and bass a few years back after realising that I loved the music but hadn't recognised the genre for what it is. And it's been the soundtrack to a lot of my life ever since. John is embarking on a new adventure of his own. So massive shout out to, yeah, to John. I wish you could tell me how they can hate somebody they never met. History stares of feelings they'll never forget. Rules that don't apply, no more concrete are set While the sky rains fire on family nests Mother's praying for rest Cause her best won't cut it While these soldiers keep coming While these governments are playing chess The difference is they're using real life pawns Till the daylight dawns They hope they make it through another test Whatever God you worship With hearts up in your chest If I ask you if this shit's wrong Then the answer's yes While the media keeps silencing A million children's screams But we're sharing every image So they don't forget Listening for another one While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying prayers for everyone While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying listening for another one While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying prayers for everyone While we're praying that the sky don't fall Now, at the start of the podcast, I told you how good the DMV for Peace album is. Now I hope you realise it right now. It is amazing. This is DRS Dogger and Mind State. When the sky falls. From DMB for peace.
listening for another one While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying prayers for everyone While we're praying that the sky don't fall Sitting listening for another one While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying prayers for everyone I wish you could tell me how they can hate somebody they never met History says a feeling so never forget Rules that don't apply, no more concrete are set While the sky rains fire on family nest Mother's praying for rest Cause the best won't cut it while these soldiers keep coming While these governments are playing chess The difference is they're using real life forms till the daylight dawns They hope they make it through another test Whatever God you worship, the hearts up in your chest If I ask you if the shit's wrong then the answer's yes While the media keep silencing a million children scream But we're sharing every image so they don't forget Listen for another one While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying prayers for everyone While we're praying that the sky don't fall Listen for another one While we're praying that the sky don't fall Saying prayers for everyone While we're praying that the sky don't fall While we're praying that the sky don't fall I'm still following the heat from the sun, beat from the drum, the feeling achieved when it's done. I'm speaking for some. Dream and become, forget the meaning and jump. Set the scene in the stunts and roll trees for every season that comes. Please, me easy, I'm done. It's just deceiving, all she's feeding is numb. So now I'm thinking, like, it's very tense, I can feel you on a vent. I know it's bottled up, but I won't tell her so. It sends me west, so I ain't figured out to step. I keep rocking up, just let me get involved. Empty and disclose, mend me, let me all you know. Don't sense me, my entity is gold. I just stick to what I know. And I uh, got this through yesterday from Heist. He's got a brand new album coming up. And it is lovely and soulful. From that album, this is called Dripping and it features Dusky. Watch it come, let it go. It's like the struggle's never under control.
Winslow from his debut EP on Hospital and this is the gloriously titled Snooze Button Roller. going out to Damien Ballard from Miami in Florida he's serving in the US military and he wants to shout out to worldwide members of the medical corps in the military yeah I'll second that Yes, Duncan Winslow smashed it with this EP. Very lovely and inventive breakdown there, Winslow. Coming brand new music from Sully. An amazing track called Fives. Soon come on Overshadow.
Smashed It Souls. Love it. Coming, brand new spy on his own label, Dark Matter. This is called I've Been Missing You. Dark Matter is Carlos Spy's brand new label and this is from his EP, his debut EP on Dark Matter and the vinyl package looks absolutely incredible. If you're a Spy fan, you need this in your collection. Big things to come from Dark Matter, I believe. whole EP is fire. shouts haven't got time to read out your messages but big shouts going out to 
to Peter Kluver from Utrecht in Holland. To Rachel Ray Ray Harps. Yes, long time follower. And Dave Jenkins has just walked into the room. Dave I've actually kind of written a piece of music uh, to go alongside the interview I hope that's okay it's not intrusive okay it's the last tune of the drum and bass section of the podcast but hold tight keep it locked I just need to change places So I am now being joined by my very good friend, Dave Jenkins. I'm going to hand over the reins to Dave for however long it takes. And Dave is going to ask a few questions of me, hopefully to illuminate where I'm at right now. And yeah. Yeah. So Dave, over to you, mate. Thank you very much. And thanks for inviting me onto the very first podcast as well. I think we've got lots of things to cover, really, haven't we? We so have. How are you right at this moment, first of all? I am grateful. I am very peaceful and extremely happy. That's brilliant to hear because there's been a lot of anger, I think, especially this week and this 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 point of the lockdown. Um, I think people have either found peace or have got enraged again, really. It's a strange place to be in right at this moment in the world, isn't it? It is, and there is so much to be angry about. You know, there, there really is, and a lot of it is angry with other people for making decisions that we feel are wrong even though we've never been in that position to have to make those decisions. But it's also, it's just pure anger at life. If you're, if you're a performer, particularly, or if you've lost someone through COVID, these are, this, this is a very difficult kind of anger. It's almost like grief, really. Yeah. From, from my part of, my point of view, one of the many things that I'm learning this year is is to ditch my resentment at the beginning of each day. Because I've driven my whole life on kind of like passion, artistic drive, you know, vision, all this kind of stuff. And it's it's quite ego-driven stuff. It has to be. Yeah. The flip side of that is that if you're weaponizing your ego and using it to build your career. Your ego is very fragile. Egos are incredibly delicate and fragile. And they talk loads of shit and they get really hurt easily. Yeah. And you end up and kind there of is reacting such a fine and flying line. off the handle, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. 
because you've got to believe in yourself, don't you? And that's that's where the ego kind of comes in, and it's it's Absolutely. hard to kind of harness that in a way, really. But you have to have confidence in order to put anything out there, any creation or any expression. Yeah. It has to be that kind of confidence, doesn't there? So it's such a fine line. It's very interesting. It is. I'm, I'm learning so much about it all, and um, I know that I effectively harness the energy of my ego for decades. But in that time, I also know that I was, at times, incredibly difficult to deal with. As most artists are, having yeah. dealt with them for 20 years myself, really. <laughs> yeah, you like, would know. <laughs> red lights go off, sirens go off if someone's too nice and too calm. It's like, hang on, where's that fire? Because it's the fire, really, that you know is part of all of that. Like, the, I expect and anticipate and love artists being a bit difficult to deal with, really, mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, the fire, the fire is really important. And especially if you're going to change things, you know. Yeah. And that was what... I was all, all about that, really, for 25 years of the hospital. It was all about breaking the mould. I wanted to, to see if I could start and if we could put into action everything necessary to, to build the kind of record label that I thought could be there. I thought could exist. There was no plan, because I didn't know what it should be like, but it was simply loads of very, very quick decisions on the spur of the moment, lots of risks, lots of gambles, but the main overriding factor was that hospital records, it should not be what everyone else is and it should be what nobody else is. Yeah. I mean, that is the that DIY works. kind of fire, isn't it? it that's, really, that's really, the spirit. yeah. And you're, it's difficult because you're constantly breaking down boundaries and barriers and, you know, but it paid off and it worked really, really well. And I'm so proud of Hospital. You know, it's, Brilliant. Uh, I mean, I want to tap into some of those proud moments in a while, but mm. really, I mean, the, the big news and where you're at at the moment and why I was asking why you were is mm. because you've made probably one of the biggest decisions you've made in the last 25 years, really, since maybe yeah. launching even the label. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's probably the biggest decision that I've made since I gave up learning the piano when I was eight. Cause wow. Because I, I failed grade two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, that was just me being a, a really annoying little kid. Um, it's a big decision, there's no doubt, but the decision really became clear over the last sort of three years or so because I just wasn't happy and I didn't know I wasn't happy because hospital is amazing and it's my vision and... Um, all the staff were amazing and I just didn't feel happy and I that just not feeling happy running the best drum and bass label one of the best dance labels in the world that was weird to me that I wasn't yeah. happy you know I didn't understand you start it. to feel that layer of guilt then don't you when you're feeling unhappy but mm. you're still doing something that you love and then you feel like why am I feeling like this so you get that yeah. extra compounding because the last time we spoke and people can listen to it on Spotify is the breakdown of your mm. album which we did in front of a live audience yeah. and you spoke about that and I mean I still believe that that's one of your best pieces of work to date and I think you felt that as well at the time and it was incredibly well expressed and it was a great concept but straight after the album you you had quite a bad bout of depression didn't you like, yeah, I did straight after and perhaps that was yeah. part of it I did I really did and I mean I've battled with depression all my life 
on and off, and I've managed to kind of turn it around and use it. Um, I've used it in my music creation, in writing, I've used it in my podcast, I've used it in actually steering the whole direction of Hospital Records, to be honest. To be a lot more compassionate to, to people with mental problems, which is most of us, to be honest. <clears throat> so I battle with it, and but it came out with a vengeance, and I didn't know why. And it got to the point where we were having board meetings with the four directors, and I would just be in tears because I didn't understand why I was so miserable and I couldn't make big business decisions. It turned out that, looking back on it, I was bored. That might sound really <laughs> funny to anyone sort of listening to this because how can you be bored when you're, when you're at the helm of this enormous company that's got 25 staff and about 38 artists and, and you're working flat out because of the release schedule and, and you're DJing and you're making albums and you're a dad. How can you be bored? Well, the only way I can, I can express it, Dave, is that I actually realised I was on probably the most bling hamster wheel that you can imagine. <laughs> it was a beautiful hamster wheel, you know, but it was a hamster wheel and it was going around once a year and I was finding that I was having to work flat out because of this massive release schedule that hospitals got. And we can't ease off on the release schedule because we've got so many mouths to feed and it requires the most intense kind of focus and concentration and dedication. And yeah. I'd had enough because I can do that with my eyes closed in my sleep now. You know, I'm not being arrogant, but when you've done something for 25 years well and you've learnt along the way, you get good at it, you get really good at it. And I've always been the type of person who I don't rest on my laurels. I always kind of like, I'm always gunning for the underdog and... I would never want to go, yeah, yeah, check me out. The what I've achieved with hospital records. Yeah, I'm the man. I can just sit back and just look at me. Yeah, that's not me. You know, I have to have a challenge. I have to do something that I've never done before. And yeah. I want to be, I realised that I wanted to be a speedboat and not an oil tanker. And I'm not, I'm not dissing hospital at all because hospital is full of my DNA in every part of it and uh, it's a beautiful oil tanker and it's it's in fine shape and it's um, it's going to carry on and do great things I was going to say it's going to tank oil for many many decades yeah, to come absolutely and but the one thing I think you're right about the cyclical you can't, you can't turn quickly you know when yeah. your ship's that yeah. big you cannot you can't and I, I like being able to kind of skid around and turn all over the place and kind of like you know jump over people having a wedding like in James Bond and like, you know, I, I want to do all that yeah. kind of thing in my speedboat. So, and there are a lot of regulations when you get a company to that size that hospitals got, there are so many regulations that you have to follow and you end up spending half the time kind of navigating all of these regs and all of this employment law and suddenly it's like, hang on, why did I do this? Yeah, it's not do. what you came no. into this for. It's not no, it's what not. you set up it hospital really for. No. But it, 
it dawned on me that, you know, we, we've done easy 25 interviews, I think, over the years, wow. going right back to the <laughs> mid-2000s, I reckon. I was trying it. to count them before. Um, but I've never asked you about your role as a businessman. Mm. It's always been about you as an artist. And I thought, wow, I've never really kind of spoken to you as a CEO of a huge organisation, the biggest in our cultural niche, I would say, mm. the biggest independent in our cultural niche. So, that, but this, I also am a firm believer that there's art in everything. There's art in absolutely everything, you know, and including big business. You know, mm. there is an art in there. Um, what is the art to being a CEO and what pleasures did you take from it? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I never set out to be a CEO. And in fact, I only, I only assumed that title because, and this was about maybe over 10 years ago, one day... I was on an email chain with, with Chris Goss, who's my co-founder, and uh, he suddenly started putting managing director on his email signature. So I thought, <laughs> what? <laughs> Hang on. What's bigger than a managing director? <laughs> so, you know, I got my Brilliant. metaphorical cock out and kind of like <laughs> tried, to, tried to make it bigger than his. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, it's just bollocks because they're just terms. You know, they don't mean anything. Yeah. And... Quite honestly, I'd be, I would always have been much happier without any sort of any of us having any titles on our emails, you know. But that was an example of what I was saying earlier. My ego told me I had to have a bigger uh, prefix to my job title than Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Idiotic. But I never ever learned anything to do with business, and I was the least business-like person that I've ever met. But I just learned on the job. And when you start a record label, properly do it all yourself, like like we did, and like I did before hospital even, I had to learn everything. I had to learn contract law. I had to learn accounting, which I, I did with the help of my dad, first of all, on very ancient spreadsheets, and then kind of developed my own sort of macros in Excel, but I didn't know what I was doing, you know. I did it, though. All this stuff that you think, that's really boring. It wasn't because it was so exciting. The cause was yeah. so exciting. Hospital Records was a cause, you know. It was more than a life. And anything that helped the cause was, by definition, interesting and adrenaline fueled and scary and exciting so i learned very early on that the only way to to be able to go deeply into music contracts and accounting business affairs is you gamify it you have to so yeah. you have to it's like playing a game it's like learning how to play chess or Sudoku or, you know, anything that kind of challenges your brain a bit, you have to learn it. And it's the same. So strategizing then, yeah. really, developing your own secret or special techniques. Yeah, and perhaps. to learn, you know, to enjoy actually doing the mechanics within, you know. And I don't know if enjoy is the right word when it comes to contracts and accounting, but in a way it was. I mean, accounting, I never had a problem with working out how to do better royalty accounting than anyone else because there's a massive kind of spiritual and moral aspect to that. Because I've been 
I've been in situations as a musician and an artist where I've signed work to other labels and never got paid. Or I think that's why you wanted to be independent, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. your biggest hit the the one is Is It? Yeah, stories by Is up... It. Yeah, that that was signed. That was the first release on Perfecto, Paul Oakenfold's label. We've never been accounted to, and that was in 1988. Wow. Went top 30, wow. <laughs> and that was a massive driver for for me thinking, right, but this for for a game of darts. I am not going to run around after major labels anymore. They're just corrupt. So um, I'm going to do it myself and make sure that everybody gets paid. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great lesson to learn, I think, so early on. Obviously not at the time, it wouldn't have felt like that at the time when you were probably eating beans and, you know, kind of rubbing two pennies together to keep yourself warm yeah. as, as a struggling artist then, but it, what a brilliant lesson to learn and it was. to put into the ethos of hospital. It was, and I'm actually, believe it or not, and it might sound twisted, but it's not, I'm very grateful um, to Paul Oakenfold, his manager, and the suits at as it was then, London Records, um, for not paying us and not accounting to us because it spurred me into this. You know, I would actually probably wouldn't have done hospital if I'd been treated really well back then. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Another ethos that has always really impressed me or inspired me by about hospital is the album. Is there, you know, I think you, if there's any label in drum and bass that's championed the album the most, is Hospital Records. And I could list countless albums that have mm. really kind of inspired me or changed my life or soundtracked amazing moments that not every other label has had that consistency. And I think that's probably something that you've brought from those roots and mm. that kind of jazz funk roots that you came from, really, when albums were still the gold standard. Yeah, or even, even actually from when I was like about 10, 11 years old and I just used... The only music at home was my eldest sister's prog rock albums. <laughs> you know, so that's what I listened wow. to. And, you know, you're looking at, like, double albums by Yes and kind of, like, you know, Uriah Heap and sort of thing, you know, and it's like, yeah, this is these albums are amazing. And, and you know, I think when we started Hospital, it was... No-one else was doing albums. No. Which is a good reason to do them, because no one else is doing them. But also, it's like it's pretty obvious that if you want people to have landmarks in your career, in, in their heads, if they happen to be fans or whatever, it's very difficult for them if you're just releasing tracks. But if you're releasing an album and it's got a cohesive concept, a look, activity, gigs, you know, everything around it, then people will start to associate period of their life with with that album it might only be one song off the album but there's a lot of noise around it so it's yeah. a really really good way to build artist careers i think yeah and allow them to make a statement as well you know yeah. they even know and it's a bit like writing a book you're not going to make money if it's not about making a profitable thing it's about expressing yourself and like climbing a mountain for the sake of it, really, you yeah. know, there's, because it's there, the challenge is there, like a marathon or something, and it's a great chance to explore yourself and really it push is. yourself. It is, and also, and... I think, very importantly, and I remember this, this was what attracted high contrast to Hospital, was I think we'd only done one artist album, which was the London Electricity album, Pulled the Plug, at the time, but I remember him having a conversation with him when he was really young, and Lincoln was saying what I love about 
your setup is that artists can make an album and they only have to think about two or three tracks that have to be absolute bangers because the rest of the album, no one wants an album of 14 out and out bangers. You know, you can yeah. take it on a journey and kind of really play with the structure and and the kind of style and everything. You know, so you can you can as an artist you can really express yourself within an album, all sides yeah. of you. Yeah, it was Lincoln who I had in mind actually because mm. he's an old friend from Cardiff as yeah. well. But I think a lot of artists that would have come through Hospital and come through yours and Chris's tutelage in that way would have found sounds and things about themselves which are now a dominant flavour in what they do and has taken them on paths that they didn't even know existed. And had they been with other labels just on that kind of banger machine on the DJ merry-go-round, mm. they might not have found about themselves. And I think that's yeah. a legacy that you know you could never kind of quantify. It's just out there with all of the artists who've ever released an album with you yeah I think it's I think it's very true and um, it it really yeah I mean like I'm, I just think about Unglued his album's out today his debut album he signed him yes. three and a half years ago and I remember before we even signed him he was he sent through a folder marked album and he'd already in his mind he'd, he'd already written it and finished it and it was sequenced and everything and uh, brilliant. I mean, thankfully, he didn't walk off when, when we very kind of tactfully said to him, "Look, this is such a long way from being a finished album that you're going to have to wait." I mean, that, none of us knew it would be three and a half years of a wait, but he's done some really great things in the meantime. But if you listen to his album, it's it's so mature and yeah, so kind of uh, knowledgeable about his influences. It's totally different from what he presented to us when we signed him, you know. Brilliant. That's a good example of what he said. does anything exist from that original folder? Are there any kind of just yeah, like trace elements of DNA? There's two or three tunes that were in some shape or form in there, yeah. Brilliant. So it's got that history as well, so it kind mm. of tells that story within the story of the album, the story of yeah, his development, definitely. really. And there are times throughout your career where it might not be the most successful or the most profitable, but there's just an energy. And you, if you could go back in time and bottle that, you would because it was just the fucking best. You've already sworn, so I don't have to apologise for swearing. I didn't know if I could swearing swear. Swearing is allowed on uh, my podcast. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, for me, it was when I first got my first magazine job, and you know I was underpaid completely. But the energy and just oh, there was a, you know if I could bottle that. What's your moment for that with hospital? If you could go back to one point but very hard to choose one point um, yeah what what comes off comes to my mind really yeah one of those moments was when we we took a massive risk at the time and we moved our hospitality event from herbal in Hoxton, which was like what, 350 cap, to heaven, which yes. was 2,000 cap. And everyone wow. was saying, we're, we're mad. Our agent was saying, you're crazy. And we sold it out. We sold the first one out. So Brilliant. And I remember standing on stage with, with Chris and with our agent, Tom Schroeder. And I turned around and I just looked at him. And he looked at me and he was like, you were right. 
know. <laughs> and it's, it's lovely when, when that happens. And it was just, it was such a vibe. It really, it was yeah. amazing because no one else was doing anything like that size of an event with what was termed liquid then. Yeah. It just wasn't Huge. heard of. You know, liquid was a kind And the of, fact that it was in Liquid was a room three well. genre, wasn't it, back then? Yeah. 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 Maybe or smaller clubs, if you were lucky, like kind of getting into Raven mm. in a more provincial city like Cardiff, we would have kind of bigger liquid guests. But for the raves, if ever we went out to London or any of the big raves, then liquid barely got a look in. You know, it was a chill out room almost, really. So the fact that you took it to heaven as well, home of rage, like home mm. of the birth of jungle as well, there's just that added little touch there, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah, it, t- it turned quite a lot of heads. You know, and you got to remember that at that time, this was like 2005. The kind of big names within Liquid were earning nothing. You know, like people like Caliber, like Marcus, Les Marcus, like you know, all of Fabio, the dons of of Liquid. It was very difficult to get a decent gig out in the UK. You could get a decent gig outside of the UK sometimes because you were a kind of old name or whatever or you know um foundation but in the uk you look at 200 quid in a back wow you know and it was that uh, little yeah i mean i won't tell you how much i won't tell you how much we used to put andy c for but it was it was a steal (laughs) i'm telling you But that was a golden age, wasn't it? I mean, that kind of 2005, I think about um, Lincoln's Fabric Live mix, I think about Liquid V as well, mm. and Solar had been bubbling for a while, and Artificial Intelligence, and mm. there were so many people. Creative Source was still a thing as well, Big Up Fabio, you know, there was there was still... There, that period in what people refer to as Liquid was a phenomenon, and when you look back at it, so much of that had a huge influence on everything, even down, that sowed the seeds for the big mainstream songwriting, commercial radio that came, you know, radio D&B that came seven, eight, nine years later. Yeah, it really did. It really did. And, yeah, I mean, big up Fabio indeed, because if it hadn't been for Swerve at Liquid Rooms, I don't even think a hospital would be a thing. I really don't. Wow. Because we were there, me and Chris and Tom, when Tomahawk was part of, you know, the hospital trilogy. Um, Yeah, absolutely big up, Tom. We we were at Swerve religiously, sometimes joined by Danny Bird, sometimes by Lincoln, you know, the kind of early crew. We were there, always, learning about the music, listening, chatting to people. I mean, it probably took about two or three months before I had the courage to even speak to Fabio, you know. He was yeah. like, up there. And uh, yes. and he, him and Groove, Fabio and Groove, they, they gave us breaks, you know, they really did. They, they got us on the line-up. They were really behind Song in the Key of Knife and Pull the Plug. And that was amazing. It was really amazing because, you know, I just felt, and we, we just felt like, proper imposters, outsiders, you name it. Anything yeah. that ends with they are. <laughs> Wankers. <laughs> I mean, we were a lot, you know. <laughs> but we always felt like, yeah, 
but in its nature, jungle isn't kind of outsider music in that way. You it know, is. Like we, it's, it's the rebel music. It's not mainstream. So to come yeah. from other other corners really is part of that kind of rebelistic spirit of the music. I think it is, and I think that's why I always identified, aside from musically, where I've always identified with drum and bass as soon as I properly heard it. In terms of the actual, yeah, there's a real kind of punk spirit about it of rebellion. Yeah. And, and that's what's reached for that. Alive. I've loved it. I've kind of almost demanded that from artists on hospital over the years. And the artists that have really grown and gone on to do great things are artists who, who have, in their own way, embraced that philosophy. Because any yeah. artist who we discover is sticking to a formula, just resting on their laurels, well, it's not going to happen, you know. And that might be before we sign them, it might be after we've signed them. You know, there have been yeah. some very, very artists who are very big now. I can't name any names because it wouldn't be fair. But there are some artists who are huge now, crossing over, like he talks about pop, drum and bass, who came to hospital first with their demos and we we just had a listen and said look that's not doing anything new so at this point in time right now here and now that's not doing anything new and we we therefore can't get behind it yeah um, yeah we can't. was there ever a point though where hospital was in danger of doing that maybe a points where the organization grew a little you know more and I, I do think of times when maybe around 2010 2011 where i think like sampling was a big no-no like you mm. know I, I don't know what year you ruled out samples but there was a lot more song-based stuff um and i don't know for me there was a point where hospital did flit around with formula a little bit more than it has done recently or historically have there ever been any points like that and that's just my objective opinion as a music listener yeah and that, uh, there's been points like that for you that's the most important opinion actually of a music listener i think it's interesting you talked about the sampling thing and we never we never said don't sample but we they, they got to a point where we were of a size and also technology was at a point where it could spot samples like with the youtube fingerprinting engine and stuff we realized that we there was a lot more eyes on us and we were therefore a much bigger target for people to come after us for samples so we had to say to our artists look you've got to tell us about any sample content and we will we'll try to help you to recreate those samples in such a way that they don't infringe on any, any copyrights because that's better for you, it's better for us. If the artist was a big artist and had a, a decent catalogue with a decent kind of um, sort of cash flow of royalties, if you like, in their royalty yeah. account, then we could afford to clear samples. So it was it was tricky, but I think that coincided with the first sort of sample packs that came through as well. And there was, around the time of EDM coming through, there was a whole glut of artists who, who were just making tunes using sample packs, 
So yeah. they were just and you can hear it straight away using each other's using each other's kind of samples and becoming quite mediocre in the process, you know. So um, there probably were one or one or two mistakes that hospital made, I'd say. Again, I can't make any. I can't name any names. A lot of no, people, a lot of people erroneously put it down to the rise of Netsky, but Netsky's first album, hands down, a liquid drum and bass classic. It really is, and I'm yeah. extremely proud of that album. I wasn't personally that as enthusiastic about his second album because. You could hear the kind of EDM influences in there. Although there's a couple of really good tunes on there. But actually, Boris, with his first album, kind of was breaking the mould in many ways, effortlessly. So I think it was more about other artists who wanted to be Nets guy at the time. That was a problem. Yeah. That was a real problem. Yeah. And there were and a lot of artists who were kind of, There were a lot of artists on the label who were going... He's so successful. Why can't? What do I have to do to be as successful as him? Do I have to change <laughs> my sound? You know, it, it was yeah. it was a difficult time. And that's a challenge for a label as well, because you don't want thirty-eight nets, guys. No. You want thirty-eight or fifty or ten artists who do their own thing yeah. and have their own sound. But everybody's very inspired by each other, and I think within a, a niche as small as ours, in a movement, a culture as small as ours, people do. It's about responding to each other. You know, if you think about the really early days mm. of dubplay culture, it would be people were making response tunes to each other. They'd hear something by somebody else and go yeah. and make something even bigger oh, yeah. and badder. And so you've, there is that kind of competitive nature, but you, it would have been your role as the label boss then to kind of harness that energy, but channel channel it into their own signature. Really, it's which true. I imagine it's quite. A and there's a, there's a like you say, there's a massive difference between having that kind of bouncing off each other with tunes, almost like a sound clash in production. There's a that's healthy, you know. I mean, like yeah. when when Lincoln did his bootleg of the streets. I yes. remember that. Andy C rang him up and basically chewed his ear off about the fact that it, it sounded a bit like body rock. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. That kind of swings on the drums and sort of... You know, I'd say they mix two records that mix really well together. I think I used to mix those two tunes together, but I, don't, I can't yeah. hear the too much similarity it, there. But that wow, was, in many ways, that was Lincoln... On that bootleg, because on a bootleg you've got you've got more license to do whatever you want, and that was his tribute to, to Body Rock. So uh, that was really good. But when yeah, when there was there was, and it wasn't just in hospital. Actually, it was pretty much across the genre. Yeah. Suddenly, and it still goes on in pop drum and bass now. You got this kind of. Um, Homogenification is that even a word? Yes. Yeah. Everything was homogenized so that it, it fitted the kind of Radio 1 playlist template. Yeah. And as soon as I sniffed that, apart from the fact it made me want to be sick physically, <laughs> I did everything I could to shut that down within my label. And that did mean dropping a couple of artists. And uh, yeah, because you can't have it. You can't. Ha well, I couldn't have it. Other people can have it. No, you can't. Because you can't. They Another just want to make money, but as well. you know, it's not about yeah. making money. It's 
It's about, it's about building a legacy, and the two things are very different. Massively, definitely. I mean, another challenge that I always think of, and especially as a freelance person, is when people are involved in a company for so long, and it could be the CEO, it could be the a and it could be any member of staff, but when you're embedded in a company, you turn the blinkers on a little bit and you forget what else is going on outside. And I've done it as part of a magazine culture and you kind of believe, you, you love the smell of your own farts too much, I think is probably the best way of putting it. And have there ever been, and I see it in labels especially, and, you know, particular individuals, and it's like, hang on a minute, like, this, you're just a member of staff at the label there, but it could be the owner, it could be a member of staff, where people believe in it almost too much. And has there ever been a point of that for you? And has there ever been a point where you've seen that, um, you know, it, as a company culture that you've had to change, really, where it's like, well, we need to, you know, don't believe in your own hype too much? Really. I don't think there has, because we've always had a lot of balancing out. I mean, Chris, Chris never got used to the smell of my farts, and I never got used to the smell of his trainers. No. <laughs> and then when you know there was three of us with Tom and Tom was the great kind of ego destroyer and we all had very different viewpoints so there was never that that danger really of just disappearing up up our own asses you know in our own echo chamber as it's now called no yeah that 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 was never the case and I've never been the kind of CEO slash bigger head of a label to insist that everybody re reads my biography memoir before they can walk into a room with me, you know, partly because <laughs> I've never written one, but even if I had, I would never insist such a thing. So, and also, like, if you look at our, our events, I was acutely aware from the very beginning that even though I was the kind of main artist who ran the label and everything, I couldn't position myself as headliner on every event. Yeah. And that's another thing that most drum-based labels, if not all drum-based labels, historically have done. That doesn't build your artists. And I had a very simple philosophy that it wasn't about me, it was about the artist whose album was coming up. And yeah. they must headline, not me because it's their time and they need the shout and uh, that's only fair. So that was always my approach. And it worked. It worked really well. Yeah. And I guess that's why hospitality has been able to translate and transport around the world and, you know, host huge events like Hospitality in the Park mm. and, and be able to include all of these other brands and all of these other artists and stuff because it's never just stood for the label sound, whereas yeah. I think many other label nights, there's always a special guest, there's always a curveball, there's creative promoting, mm. but label nights have remained label nights, whereas hospitality became its own company. I mean, as the CEO of Hospital, what was your role within hospitality? Because they are separate brands, aren't they? They are and they're not. I mean, there's the hospital group that... Owns it all. Covers right? everything. Of which, yeah. so I'm CEO of, of Hospital Group. I still am CEO right now, actually. I, I will be technically stepping down at some point later in this year. Takes a bit of a while to sort out the, you know, the machinations of, of that. But um, I mean, basically, with with hospitality, 
when we started it, my main, my main role was that I came up with the name and I was the main DJ for a while. I was never that interested in events management, I've got to be honest. Chris did his best. And then when Matter closed, we got to know Josh Panton really well, as he was then called, now called Josh Robinson. We were really impressed with him. And when Matter closed, it was like a no-brainer to ask him if he wanted to come and run our events. Because we, we just knew that he he would be able to take them onto another level. And boy, was that a good decision. <laughs> and then about five years after he became our events manager, I asked him if he'd become a director of the company because Josh, it was quite clear to me he was indispensable. You know, he's a, a real talent, not only at his own department, but in terms of like his objective thinking and his, his awareness about people in business, you know, he's, he's a one-off. So, yeah, I made him a director and that was a good decision, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So now, I mean, you've, you've covered, we've covered the event side of things, we've covered some history and your favourite moments, but you've been, you know, this is now kind of past and we're looking towards the future now. Mm. What, when did you decide at what point during... It must have been during the lockdown. I know that you're saying it was over three years, but I think during the lockdown when we've all had this time away in one way or another from what we do, even if we've been busy running Naples or doing things, there still hasn't mm -hmm. been that travel outlet. All of our lives have completely changed. So at what point did you think, right, this is time for a new chapter. Let's start putting in the stepping stones towards you know the next part of your life. If it had been as straightforward and kind of like sort of planned as as you make it sound it would have been brilliant but I mean it wasn't because last year 2020 it was the worst year of my life there's absolutely no two ways about it for many reasons the big reason was even though I'd started to feel very, very unhappy and depressed at hospital records in 2018, 2019. At that point, I'd, I had no idea what was going on, so I couldn't crystallise it in my mind. You know, I was just miserable and confused. In 2020, in lockdown, me being miserable and confused took on a whole new dimension and I became looking back on it, completely unmanageable, unworkable. And I was, it, it got to the point where in the autumn of, of last year, I think that the directors and the staff at hospital had been pulling their hair out about me. And they, they made it quite clear to me that I was becoming a, a toxic influence at hospital. And it's taken me a long time to come to terms with that. Yeah. But because it's very difficult when your baby, you feel that your baby is coming, coming back and biting you in the arse. 
But actually, it wasn't because I'd neglected my baby for... Well, it wasn't a baby, it was 23 years old, but I'd, I'd neglected hospital, really, even though I was there showing up. But I wasn't there. I really wasn't there. Yeah. I wanted to be somewhere else, but I didn't realise it. And... Or know where you wanted to be. I had no after idea. After so no. long of doing what you're I, doing. Not only did I not know where I wanted to be, I didn't know where I didn't want to be, <laughs> which, which doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work. So, and that, you know, that, there were a few other things last year that were really, really difficult. And the, the whole lot of them just drove me into a, a massive mental breakdown towards the end I of last imagine. year. I can imagine. And I mean, like last year, obviously, I mean, the main thing was how hospital was called out um, for its roster. And I, too, my work was scrutinised as well from the same area. Um, not in any way in such a public way, but mm. it's... I had to go through a lot of thinking, and rightfully so, as well, and had to have a lot of meaningful conversations that I imagine you did as well. And mm. there was a lot of understanding and a lot of thinking and it, it's it wasn't pleasant but it was a situation that hospital had to go through i think like i had to go through it yeah um obviously you're you're talking about george floyd black lives matter and chris in perspective yeah. calling out hospital for being racist and that was a multi-dimensional clusterfuck. It really was. Because I I have all my life. I've, I've, I've loved black music. I've loved music. I've loved black music. Um, I haven't even noticed when I'm working as the only white guy in a situation full of black people. It never occurred to me to even think about that. But there have been a few situations like that, and it's never occurred to me. I've only ever heard music. Yeah. I've never heard music and thought about the colour of the person making this music. Now, last year, and probably this year as well, that, that doesn't count, actually, because there's been such a, a massive imbalance in all areas of industry. A huge amount of white institutional racism. And I'm not using that from the kind of woke angle at all. Although I think, I think the term woke has been horribly kind of disfigured by the right-wing press. Yeah because all it means is, like, aware, you know? And I've, yeah. I've been as aware as I've been able to be over the years and loved so many, so many people, black people, uh, people with a white dad and a black mum, whatever, it's like, it's all good for me. So it was very, very painful. And what, what was really hard was because hospital is the biggest label in drum and bass, it was a soft target, I think. And the irony was that when, when Chris in Perspective called us out, 
the hospital roster was actually far, far more inclusive than the rosters of any of the other big labels in drum and bass at the time. So, but I understood and we understood that we've just got to fucking take this because if we try and kick back against it, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be bad news. Yeah. It doesn't matter personally what your beliefs are. What mattered at that time was the way it looked. There's a slight irony in that, if you really think about it. But that's the way it was. So we looked white. It, even though we just released an album by Inja, we had an album coming up by Degs, we'd signed DRS and Dynamite. But apparently, to a lot of people, that didn't matter because they were vocalists. They weren't producers. That was a thing. Wow. Like, we were told that. Right, I, I was unaware of yeah, that. Yeah, we were told I that. I was unaware of that. We were told that. I was, I was also told by, by someone instigating this whole thing that, against hospital, I was told that, yeah, the artists you've mentioned don't count because they're not really black. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. I don't think... Is that our place to discuss that, even though that was accused at you or pointed at you as two white men discussing this? And I'm always really wary of that and my well, I mean, I thought learned, processes. And... I didn't understand until... until I... After the first, the first video that was in perspective uploaded and it went viral and... And I think it, it was almost a bit like Brexit. It was like everyone wanted to shoot something down and hospital was there. It was like, you know, we're going to attack IKEA, the IKEA of drum and bass. Um, and massive target, easy to shoot at, can't miss. But like, and I, I ran Cleveland Watkiss because I just needed to hear from someone who I knew was actually far more embedded in the black rights movement than anyone in drum and bass, anyone else in drum and bass. You know, Cleveland's been vocal about it for years. Yeah, respect to Cleveland. Absolutely. And respect to taking my call because I was expecting him to either not take my call or tell me to fuck off because he knows what's what. He's got his finger on the pulse. He would have seen Chris in Spectre's video. And uh, he took my call and for an hour and a half, he very... Uh, very gently but firmly, unequivocally, talked it all through with me. And, you know, he said, look, I know you're not a racist, Tony, but there's massive holes in your education. You don't know about institutional racism because you've always been quite complacent in your own knowledge that you're anti-racist. And the two things are different. Yeah. That's, I've learned that as well. Yeah. Huge. So, and he kind of gave me a list of books to read. And we talked about shadism, which is, which I didn't know was a thing, but it's a thing. In the black community, some people who are very dark skinned really look down on people from a mixed race background because they're not 100% black. Now, right. that's a thing, shadism. And I mean, I can't see it as anything other than a form of racism, really. 
because again you're judging yeah. people by the color of their skin you know but it's a thing so that was something i'd never known about before and uh it was very very interesting and fascinating to learn about that and just to bury my my head in books by Akala and uh just like you know the books that were really flying off the shelves at the time why i can't talk talk about Race racism to, yeah to a white person all that kind yeah. of stuff you know and a picture began to emerge for me i could totally see why people were believing that hospital is a really good example of a white company who've taken a black art form exploited it um become very successful on the back of it and oh look look they haven't got any black artists well we have black vocalists but no black producers and what again was something i mean i wanted to just jump on instagram and do like a a video back to chris in perspective because i was hurting i was really hurting and thank god the other directors at hospital they managed to talk me out of it and my wife lady culminator she talked me out of it because that would have been me reacting that would have been my yeah. ego reacting and that would not have been me responding with with thought and patience and i couldn't actually say anything at that time because it became quite clear talking to people talking to a lot of friends of ours in the industry you know i my god my jaw was aching i spent days on the phone to to frost to brian g to fabio to uh ray keith the ogs and to a person they were all saying look you're not racist you know you're not racist but you've got to keep your mouth shut because whatever you say yeah. is going to make it worse yeah and uh and it was brilliant to have their support their personal support and their kind of like just reassurance to me because i thought i was going mad i really did yeah. i mean it precipitated a massive kind of spiritual meltdown at hospital i think particularly with me and chris goss who started the company two white middle-aged blokes always always working for the betterment of everybody who is involved you know i mean hospital's got a reputation as having the finest royalty counting in in drum and bass and it has we have and that's because i know what it's like to not be accounted to so i've always made that a priority that everybody gets paid before i get paid so our philosophy was always good make sure people looked after or always look after everybody we never once sat back and thought we actually need to have positive discrimination and also I, yeah I mean, working in a kind of liquid environment there weren't really any black producers making liquid and that was another thing it was difficult it was really difficult 
I was going to say, because, I mean, prior to the roster looking, um, you know, really nicely diverse now, there were points for, for lots of labels as well, uh, for many labels, but there were points, I mean, where, I was going to ask why, you know, why do you think it kind of got to the point where people weren't making it anymore? It's that kind of self-fulfilling cycle, really. Then, when people people like seeing people like them doing things, and mm. you know, historically, then this would have gone back even further, where um, you know, young talented artists of colour would have thought, well, I'm not going to pursue it. drum and bass. Doesn't it's not it doesn't sing to me anymore. It's not. Yeah, so they've, they've explored was, other sounds. There was a max a mass exodus of if you're talking about the demographic of music listeners there was a big exodus of of black jungle fans who went over to garage when garage first started breaking through and and, and pe people of people have said oh yeah well <coughs> excuse me that's because drum and bass was getting whitewashed Always had a bit of a problem with that term because it sort yeah. of <coughs> make it makes me think that if you're whitewashing something, you're deliberately pouring a can of white paint all over it, you know. But yeah, I mean, if you look at neuro, for example, I mean, yeah. when this was kicking off last year, last summer, I was I was having I was having calls with other label heads. You know, and the more sort of neuro-oriented labels, they were shitting themselves, like really shitting themselves, because I think neuro is probably the whitest form, the whitest expression of drum and bass that there ever has been. You know, it's completely white Northern European. Yeah, and it's an extension of the sounds that um, pushed a lot of people towards garage. Yeah. When drummer bass got too clinical and scientific and dark, um, yeah. you know, kind of, it, it, it had lost its soul. It had lost its black roots at that point for some people. I think, as yeah, well. you trace it back to that time, and you, you can trace it right back to that time. I mean, I, I, I was never into that that side of drum and bass. I was much more into the sort of organic um, hip hop style sampling thing. Yeah. And it come from jazz funk, and it come yeah. from playing black music yeah, as well. Yeah, it did. And you know, your co-founder as well, Chris, has obviously been involved with Albert's Forty Fives. I think. Yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. You know, That's soul right. music, real, real black music. Yeah. And so it's. I mean, yeah, you can trace the start of a different movement right back. But what was? I mean, there were loads and loads of things that came out of what happened last summer, and it made me think. I was just thinking about, although there weren't any events last summer, I was thinking about hospitality events. And yeah, fuck me. If I look out from the stage into the crowd at hospitality in the park or whatever, there are almost no black people. It's, it's white people. And how do I feel about that? I don't feel good about that. It's no one's fault. It's, it's the way things became and to to move back from that situation or to move forwards from it rather is it's very very hard very hard to do that and 
I was kind of taken right back to the 1980s, which the majority, if not all of the people listening to this, they wouldn't have been aware of it. But yeah. it was actually a very or similar climate. Very similar climate. And because of Thatcherism, and the I was just going to say, the this, there's no coincidence like, that we're under Tories now. The inherent right? institutional racism of the Tory party then, as it is now, and the resulting kind of strikes and riots in Brixton. And I mean, I, I was there for all of that. And I, I was going on numerous anti-racism marches then, as I have more recently. And it, it threw me right back to that point. That was gutting because I really thought the world and we had moved on from that. And it was horrible to think that drum and bass, which I've always felt and believed has been the most inclusive, the most yeah. representative genre of music, actually, it's not anymore. And that really hurt. You know, and it, what hurt me was to think, have I actually played a part in that? And that's got nothing to do with why I'm moving on in my career. You know, I'm not becoming a martyr and no. thrashing my back with thorns, you know, at all. It's well, like, I was going to ask, I mean, is it really important for you before you leave to make sure and be safe in the knowledge that there, you know, there are things in place, procedures in place, I don't know if that's too much of a clinical word, but a policy, a culture in place in order to make sure that that never happens again and that yeah. the diversity is celebrated, encouraged, championed. I'm, 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 gl I'm, gl I'm glad you mentioned that given because I, I couldn't, I couldn't move forward from hospital records if I didn't feel that the label was strong in all areas and strong culturally, strong organisationally. It is very strong musically. But, yeah, I mean, we, we reappraise absolutely everything we're doing on the label. And we've now got our full-time HR partner, Emily, and uh, she is absolutely amazing when it comes to all areas of situations like this. So, whereas in the past we've had we've had black members of staff who've just come and go, like everyone comes and goes, and again, it never even occurred to me that our head of digital is black and now he's got headhunted by Universal. It never occurred to me. It's like, yeah. Bill's wicked, now he's moving on, you know. But at, at this time, we have a responsibility and a duty to, to tip the balance. And we're definitely doing that. It takes a long time for it to show fruit. You know, it takes yeah. a long time. Like an oil tanker turning around, you know, and it's back to that analogy, it really. Takes years. But an oil tanker can make much bigger waves as it turns than a speedboat ever can, you know, kind of bringing us full circle to where we started there. And now a hospital has got that kind of size and influence yeah. to be able to do that, really. And it's essential, you know, there, there's been a lot of pain, but these conversations, this needed to happen. 
and you know in order in order for us to move on really mm. and like you say because hospital is the biggest it's going to be the, the one that was kind of the, the most obvious target there but to have that size now you can flip that and have that influence so in future years we we will have moved on we won't go yeah. back to the 80s again no absolutely and you will see that certainly in our little our little corner of the little corner of music that is drum and bass, there, there will be significant changes. There are significant changes that we've made already, but there's no point in me trumpeting them or shouting about them because that's, that's meaningless. If you do that, what you have to do is knuckle down, make changes, but importantly, see those changes through to the point of fruition where they yeah. are successful. And then people can see, wow, that must have taken years to do that. You know, that's, that's yeah. we're at the beginning of that situation, really. And these things do take time. Yeah. So let's talk about the changes now in your life mm. now and where, where you move on from now and what's going to happen with you next because there, there are no big plans, really. You're free at the moment for the first time. To You're not governed by any deadlines or any cycles, release cycles yeah. and stuff. For the first time in your adult life, I'd imagine, yeah. really. So what, what does happen next? I mean, it's... It's fascinating because, like you say, I have no deadlines. I can't even imagine what that's like. I'm thinking of 20 deadlines right yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, even a, even a year ago, although I was kind of like, I was wrestling with my very essence of being, I was still deadline-driven. And when you run a label, particularly independent label, you are completely deadline-driven because your next meal depends upon it, you know. Mm. And your artists and your staff do as well. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm lo I'm loving it this year because I have no deadlines, and it's the first time since since I came out of college as a completely green, naive uh, music student in 1982. It's the first time since then that I've actually been able to live without deadlines, completely without deadlines, and it's brilliant. You know, it's the best wow. thing. It's for me. I mean, I'm 60 this year. I've had a couple of game game changing physical uh, situations with my body, and uh, and there's all of this big change in in my life. And it, it's it's a good it's a good time. You know, I'm I'm reassessing everything, and I'm loving being back in the studio. And I haven't actually been able to get in the studio for two years. I couldn't even turn on my studio computer to listen to other wow. artists' music. I couldn't do it. Just that block, just not being able to do it. Just, it wasn't just an artist's yeah, block, it was an actual phobia. You know, yeah. fear. Just raw fear. So um, now I can very happily just get in here, turn, turn on my, my Mac and just get in there producing. And I'm loving it. You know, I'm just loving that creative flow. And when was the last time you felt like that? Like that complete freedom? Obviously, you've made loads and loads of music over the time where you probably had to wrestle that. I mean, it's funny because while I was making Building Better Worlds, although on the one hand, I was actually deeply troubled and very, very kind of uncertain about who I was and I was depressed. On the other hand, the studio was my sanctuary at that point. So 
there were definite moments where I was feeling it then. And I've never, I've never really had writer's block because I've never had time to have writer's block. You know, it's a luxury yeah. that I wasn't Yeah, because you're on that bling hamster wheel. You just can't. You've got to push through it. Yeah. I can relate to that as a freelance writer. Yeah, it, it was... Yeah, it was a luxury that I was never afforded. And um, I don't know, I mean, like, it's always been, the studio has always been my my place, my space, where I can really connect. So, um, yeah, but it's different now, you know. Do you worry, though, that there's almost too much freedom? I spoke to Winslow the other day about deadlines and stuff, and now he's joining us. Obviously, he's announced exclusively with Hospital. Yeah. And I said, how will that, you know, is he a deadline person anyway? Will that bring out the best in him? Because I know he was pushed for a vocal on Sandalwood Nights mm. right at the last minute, within 24 hours of having to master it. And so he had to do his own vocals, and that pushed him. And those kind of pressures of deadlines can often bring the best out of you. So do you worry, being this nice, free and easy Tony for a little while, that nothing may come out because you haven't got anybody cracking the whip, even yourself, right? No. No, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, I totally understand what you're saying. And, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Duncan Winslow and, like, thank God, because his vocal's amazing. Yeah. You know, and that's an example of, yeah, you've got to do something, needs must, and you do it, you know. I mean, I have, for 25 years... I've been on everyone's back, including myself, for deadlines, which is why Hospital has almost never missed a release on its release schedule in 25 years. And that's in an industry where everyone misses release dates, you know. But yeah. we didn't. <laughs> so um, I've been absolutely militant, beyond belief, you talk to any of our artists, over the years... So, I'm, I'm entitled to. Uh, <laughs> I'm entitled oh, to stop cracking the whip on myself. Definitely, you know. And who? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in, in the future. I know that. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm doing a new podcast series. This is episode one, the Thing Cast. And I've got some quite bizarre and interesting plans for the future episodes. And in terms of releasing music. I mean, I've just put together Rebuilding Better Worlds, which is obviously a remix album of Building Better Worlds. I've been getting all those remixes in over the last two months. And that's gone off from mastering now, it'll be coming out in October. So there's that. That's, that's been a fair bit of work. I've really enjoyed doing it, though. It's been brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, like, I will suddenly... I know that I will suddenly discover something that I really want to work on musically and I'll get my teeth into it and probably the old the old kind of whip cracker will be back for a while you know yeah you've still got him in you've still got that whip put away in your drawer oh, it's somewhere. there <laughs> it's definitely there but you know there's there's other priorities in life like I need to actually stop being away every weekend touring so that I can spend time yeah. with my kids I mean they're not they're hardly yes. kids anymore. They've grown up so quickly. 
know. Yeah. So be here for I mean, my, that was my one family. really interesting part of lockdown, talking to a lot of people who are dads like myself mm. and realising, like, oh, wow, my family are really, really funny to hang around with yeah. on the weekends because all of us... I'm not a touring DJ, but I'm away at least twice, three, four times a, <laughs> a month, and... It was. They had to get used. Your kids have to get used to you being around all of the time, yeah. don't they? And your partner oh, yeah. does as well. And that's that's no easy feat. Like well, that was the first bit of settling into lockdown was daddy being home all of the time. I know. <laughs> and I had this kind of vision that there were thousands of because most DJs in drum and bass historically have been men. That is changing now, but yeah. it takes yeah. a while. Historically, it'd been men. So I had this vision of thousands of jungle dads, like like you say, coming home being at home for the whole of lockdown, realising that there is a life at weekends at home. Yeah. That there isn't this kind of empty space that you leave behind because you're in hotels and on planes and on stage. There's actually a thing that happens. And, wow, I wasn't part of that, but now I can be part of that. That's great. And then there's, like, your kids are a bit kind of... They're a bit bemused by it, but, yeah, okay, cool. And then your partner, who's actually been running the whole show... Yep. It's like, what? You, you're here, but you don't know anything about this. You don't know anything yeah. about what I've been doing with the kids at the weekend. You don't know anything about his swimming club and, like, you know, and you're just sitting there kind of, like, thinking this is brilliant, but, <laughs> but you're getting in the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one point when my son turned around to me. He's like, Daddy, when are you going away again? <laughs> Because I was, I was winding him up too much. And yeah. there was, you get used to it. And I know that there's so many people out there who have reappreciated their families and reappreciated their lives and looked for ways to monetize what they do creatively through Patreons, mm. through all kinds of other things, NFTs and stuff like that, in order to not be at the mercy of the DJ merry-go-round, yeah. be such a strict, um, you know, kind of worship their schedule too much and can be a lot more choosier over where they play. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm, and where they travel to as well, you know, I've taken great pride in not taking any flights in the last 18 months and I've got no appetite for travel. Yeah. And, that, you know, that makes me sound privileged because I've done so much travel before. But I am, you know, it does make you realise how many t- solutions that you could find without having to travel. You make it stuff. sound like it's there was almost life. a choice, Dave. Well, you know, I mean, there is more for me. There is more for me. But for, for gigs, I mean, for a gigging musician, yeah. you've got to go where the gigs are then, haven't you? So it is different for me. But, yeah. I mean, do you think you'll be touring as much as you previously were? It doesn't sound like it. I won't be. No, I won't. And I love gigs. You know, I absolutely adore being on stage, as you know. I probably have more fun on stage than I really have a right to have. But I love it. And... That said, what I can't do anymore is touring because all of those hours spent on planes and buses and taxis and those hours and then the insane sleep schedule, they don't really fit with being over 60 years old, to be honest. Um, I mean, a lot of things have never fitted with me. I've always been older than everyone else, but right now, yeah, it's too much. So, And I've done it, you know. I've done that. I've achieved a billion times more than I ever thought I would. And there's always countries that I haven't played that I wanted to play. As I've never done a gig in Mexico and I always wanted to do a gig in Mexico. 
hasn't happened. So, obviously, I can't predict the future, but I know for the time being, while my boys are at school, I, I will not be touring. So, I don't need to tour. I have toured. I've lived a brilliant life on tour. Very privileged to, to count promoters and people in drum and bass all around the world as friends who've been amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing to me, and um, and it's 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 a unique thing to know that there's this kind of network around the globe of people united by drum and bass. Um, yeah. And everyone. And that's what people don't see, I think. Yeah. You know, when, like, we've, we've spoken at a conference before, and sometimes you get, like, um, I always think of, I can't think of his name, but he does Blade Runners in Hungary. Mm. And he knows everybody. And yeah. the guys from, like, Seattle, DB Tuesdays. And these are when, you know, especially your early gigs as a touring mm. artist, and you're going out there on your own, and they look after you. And these are the outposts. These are the yeah. families that, that, you know, they book these artists. And sometimes you might not be getting as many gigs in the UK get more internationally mm. and these people really look after you and there is that network that you only see when you start yeah. to go on that kind of map yourself really. yeah there is there's no doubt there's there's a, a lot of people i will miss who i've seen every year for the last 15 years and uh but i'm still here they're still there i'm going to be broadcasting I'm going to be doing whatever I decide to do with my music. I've, I've, obviously, I can always release on hospital records. That's that's an option. That, I was going to ask. there for me. That was going to be my last question. Really, is this the you know? Will we still hear London Electricity on hospital records? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, if I, I have to put myself in a position of say I was a new artist and I came into drum and bass. And I was thinking, what can I do? Who, who can I release with? And I was offered a deal on Hospital Records. You know, I'd be over the moon. I really would. And given that probably the last thing I want to do is to start another label, because <laughs> I've, just, I've just got off that hamster wheel. I don't want to get back on yeah. it. It makes sense to release my music with the best label out there. <laughs> 